This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 19th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The cost of cap and trade has not yet been counted. Whatever the benefits may be, the private sector costs are nowhere in official estimates of the legislation, according to Pat Michael, Senior Fellow Environmental Studies at the Cato Institute. What was the challenge put to the president in trying to uh, make a choice about whether or not to push for additional drilling? Well, the president wants cap-and-trade legislation uh, that was passed by the House of Representatives to go through the Senate. And uh, uh, several Democratic senators, uh, and virtually all Republican senators, are opposed to cap-and-trade. It doesn't have the votes, or it didn't have the votes. And so the president thought he would make it more attractive by uh, linking cap-and-trade to a proposal to open up more drilling uh, offshore. Well, it turns out that the proposal is is uh, not really what you think it is. It's a, mainly a proposal to allow for exploration uh, and not drilling. And at the same time, uh, his Environmental Protection Agency uh, is making it quite clear that if the Senate does not do cap and trade, that it will regulate anyway. So what, what we have on one hand is saying, well, you might, find some oil that you might drill for five years from now, but the EPA will put some type of levy or some type of restriction on carbon dioxide, so it's not going to be worth it for you to do it, is it? And the plan seemed to cater specifically to states where drilling was popular and also catering to states where it's less popular. The plan caters mainly to states where there are votes of senators that uh, are currently not in favor of cap-and-trade. The two Virginia Democrats, Warner and Webb, are against cap-and-trade, but they are very much for offshore drilling in Virginia. And this, I think, was a naked attempt to persuade them to get on board. Uh, Well, in fact, when you look at the fine print, uh, I don't think there's going to be that much drilling that's going to be able to be done if the EPA regulates. If this is something to help get cap-and-trade through, either as its own piece of legislation or something that is uh, folded into uh, cap-and-trade legislation, what else might be in there? What else is being, is being put into cap-and-trade? Well, there is a, a move afoot by the Obama administration uh, and Senator uh, Graham from South Carolina, Republican, to allow for more nuclear power generation. Uh, The administration announced a couple months back that it would guarantee the loans for two major power plants for the Southern Company, which is a major coal-fired utility that has been quite opposed to Uh, cap-and-trade. It will be interested to see if they remain opposed to cap-and-trade. Cap-and-trade, as it's been proposed, and as we sort of understand it as a piece of legislation uh, crystallized, what would its actual impact be? Uh, I have to say this page intentionally left blank. We know it will cost a lot, but we don't know how much. It, the current proposal reduces our emissions of carbon dioxide by 83% below 2005 levels just 39 years from today giving the average American the emissions of the average American from 1867. Now, we have no idea how to do that. I'll give you an example of the cost. Uh, Last time gasoline hit $4 a gallon, we reduced our consumption by 4%. What price does gasoline have to be to reduce our consumption by 83%? When the EPA announces fuel economy standards, it seems like 
they take a different approach. That is to say, there is a target that is, at least in the short run, not unreasonable with certain accommodations made by uh, automobile manufacturers. Is anyone offering a plan to suggest how this gets done? There are corporate fuel economy provisions in the cap-and-trade legislation that was passed by the House of Representatives. the Environmental Protection Agency has announced some uh, fuel economy standards. And so any legislation that comes out of the Senate will no doubt also include these. Yes, we know how to raise fuel economy 10 15% fleet-wide, but after the numbers get beyond that, it gets very, very difficult. If you mandate that all cars be hybrids and all trucks, everything sold, be a hybrid, well, yes, you probably would get an overall savings of about... I would guess 20 to 25 percent in emissions, but that presumes that the vehicles that they replace are not still on the road. In reality, when when you buy that Toyota Prius, you probably traded in uh, a Toyota Corolla or a Honda Accord, and that car is going to run for a lot more miles. You're not reducing emissions when you buy a hybrid. You're increasing emissions. And like the healthcare debate, costs imposed on the private sector are not included in the cost of the legislation itself. No one knows the cost of reducing our emissions by 83 percent. And I I can only tell you that it's very, very expensive. It's unpopular. And the president is trying to do what he did with health care which is to appeal to every special interest he can find to get those votes out of the Senate. Uh, I think the smart money suggests that it's not going to work this time. Pat Michaels is a senior fellow in environmental studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.